Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Edit audio. I was riding in the elevator with one of my kids who said, hey, mom, how much money do we have? And I, you know, immediately raised an eyebrow, maybe both, if that's possible. And I said, well, I know how much money I have. You, however, have none. And I thought this was like a hilarious way of saying, um, none of your beeswax, kid. But that moment really started me thinking, how much information is too much information when it comes to talking to my kids about money? I was not talked to about money as a kid. Instead, I saw my mom constantly breaking down because, you know, we were poor and creditors were calling and she couldn't afford basketball sneakers. So I wanted to do the opposite. Well, not like the opposite. I wanted to teach my kids to have a healthy relationship with money. But this question raised even more questions. Can I do that if I don't have the healthiest relationships with money? Can I teach them savings techniques and budgeting and thoughtful thinking about money? Will that be enough or will it be too much? Will they feel secure or scared or will they be like, mom, none of this is a big deal. Like you're projecting. So I don't know. I'm teaching them all these things and I am currently just acting as if it will be enough. Time will tell. Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar, we're having cocktails, and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here too. Oh yeah, hi, that's me. Today we chat well, money, guilt, and family ties. Ooh, am I excited for today's guest who just so happens to be a pal of producer Steph. We had such a fun and honest conversation about how guilt can get in the way of financial planning. And I have to say, you wouldn't think those two things would impact each other, but they do. Now, I am not going to say too much more because I don't want to spoil the interview. So let's just get right to it. Here we go. So I think what plagues me really does relate to imposter syndrome and this feeling that for the longest time, I really didn't even think I would have a career, let alone, you know, a career track. Like I studied art history in university, graduated, very quickly determined that I didn't have many marketable skills. Started looking for a job on Craigslist, was beside myself that I even found a job, 
And so, you know, I think initially, and I don't know, I'll throw numbers out there. I think initially I was making like 28K a year, Canadian, right? Not even American. And I was thrilled. I thought I was rich. Um, And so as my career has progressed and I've been given more responsibilities and more money, I guess I'm just kind of at a place where I feel like I'm making enough money and I'm sometimes in disbelief. I think like there's one thing that my mom said to me maybe like four or five years ago after I had received a a significant raise in one of my jobs and I told her what the number was and she said, wow, like your father didn't even make that much money when he was raising three kids. So it's things like that where I feel, I don't know why, but I feel a sense of guilt. I was just going to say, do you have guilt around money? Yep. When your mom made that statement, was it coming from a place of like shock and awe and amazement or was it coming from a place of like, was there any weirdness around that comment the way it was? That's the thing is my mom is an incredible, sweet angel of a human being. And it was 100% coming from a place of pride. And I think she was underlining that to kind of make me to make me feel proud about myself. Um, so I definitely don't think that there was anything, there was no negative undercurrent, but it made me feel icky. Yeah. Well, so let's go back to that initial question of like, why do you think there's guilt around it? And, and I think we should also talk a little bit about like your relationship to money in your, in your family. Yeah. So why is there guilt around it? I think it is in part because I come from, you know, a humble family life where, My dad was a manual laborer and my mom was working part-time and we really were always making ends meet. At least that was the impression I had when I was a kid. Um, And in retrospect, as I've gotten older and I've made friends and partners who grew up in more affluent families, I've definitely realized that it was the case. Uh, We weren't living in poverty by any means, but um, we were definitely, you know, lower middle class, working class. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think like the what was instilled in me as a little kid in regards to like my feelings around money is whatever you have, you share it with people around you. Yeah. My mom is the type of person who and my family, frankly, like my mom and my dad never had that much, but they were always very happy with what they had. They were very appreciative. They gave their kids awesome childhoods, you know, great experiences. And there was never this feeling that we didn't have enough. It was always a feeling of, you know, appreciate what you have and do your best in society, share what you have. And my mom in particular was a martyr figure in my life in that she put everyone before her. Mm-hmm. And even if she had extra money, she would have given it, you know, she almost would have given it away to her kids. Anytime in her life she has come across money, she's given it to us for Christmas. So I guess maybe some of the guilt relates to that and me comparing myself to my mom and thinking if she was in my position, would she be squirreling the money away or would she be, you know, taking us on a vacation or buying us whatever we want? I think it must relate to that. But uh, yeah, I do really want to emphasize that I don't think that any of these negative feelings come from my mom. I think she'd be mortified if she heard me, you know, talking. This well, then way. let's not share this with her by all means. Let's yeah. not. <laughs> You know, it's so fascinating what you're talking about, because I think oftentimes our relationship to money comes from our family setup and family dynamic. But sometimes it can just be like, you know, your parents, like I know people who came from upper middle class families 
and they're bad with money because their parents just never talked about money. And it wasn't that there was anything horrible or wrong around it. It's just that it was never normalized in a way and it wasn't talked about in a way. And I'm wondering if you all did talk about money or if it was just through actions. They did imbue in me a sense of you work for your money. So from a very young age, they encouraged me to get a job. I got my first job when I was 15. And that's been a tricky thing in comparison to like certain partners that I've had, because for the most part, my two long term relationships have been with individuals who came from more affluent families Mm -hmm. and they were a bit late to uh, like the labor market. They were late in starting on their careers. Because they could be, right? Because <laughs> they could be. And I think it plays into me feeling like very grateful for what I have now. I have enough for sure. I'm very comfortable. And the things that I'm able, the luxuries I'm able to afford myself, I feel very, very grateful for them. And sometimes the partners I've been with, I have the sense that it was always kind of a, a given that these things would come into their lives. Yeah, I I do think that's interesting. Like I was raised with no money. And while I had like a period where when my parents were together, they acted like we had money. And then when they got divorced, it turned out we had no money and we owed a lot of money. And then then everything was poor. And what's so interesting is I have a similar thing to what you're saying in that I'm like, look at what we did. We bought this apartment or like, you know, we we were on this vacation, like we did this. And I'm so, you know, proud all the time. And now I'm panicked that I feel like all the lessons I got came from poverty. And I'm like, well, we're not poor, like we're comfortable. So I'm like, am I going to teach my kids anything? Like, it's so hard to know what to model for money. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about how to model like looks and body image, but we never talk about how to model money to our kids. And I think had my parents told me my dad's salary when I was a kid, which they didn't, I probably would have thought it was an awful lot of money. It's only... In retrospect, and of course, inflation plays into that. Um, But the fact that he was raising three kids, you know, they owned a house, they had one or two cars, depending on the time. And But yeah, had they told me your dad is making X amount of money, it probably would have sounded a lot for me. I think as a kid, your point of reference for what a lot of money is, yeah, is is kind of off. It's, It's skewed. And I can even remember going on a family vacation to New Brunswick, which is in Atlantic Canada. Every year we had family out there and we'd drive over. And I remember, I think I must have had the impression that we didn't have a lot of money and I don't know where it came from because I remember actually two things in my childhood. One is I remember my parents started giving us a weekly allowance of $5 Mm -hmm. each. And I remember feeling like that was so much money and I almost felt guilty taking it from my parents. And the second thing was that we were on this vacation in New Brunswick And my mom bought me like $20 worth of Spice Girl magazines because in the town we grew up in, there were no English language magazines. I know. And I remember I turned to her and I said, mom, can you afford this? So at the time it was clear that $20 was like really a, a huge amount of money in my mind. But I think my mom was probably a little insulted to have that question, you know, from her 10 year old daughter. Are you sure you can afford this, mom? But it's funny, my son will say stuff like that a lot. He'll say sometimes, you know, oh, that's a, that's a lot of money. Let me get it. And I'm just like, it's the sweetest thing that he does it. Um, and I'm like, I'm, of course, we're not taking your money. He's like, no, I want to get this. Please let me. And I'm like, 
Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm just going to put the money back in his account when he's not looking. But that, you know, so I'm like, okay, go ahead. You get it. Because it's like, I want him to feel like he can contribute. But it is such a complicated thing because I keep going back to you for you of like, what is the thing that brought the guilt? And it may be just that you just saw really nice people doing their best and, you know. I think, yeah, well, two things are coming to mind. I think one thing is like right now in my current state, there's still, I feel, a gap between like my economic status and that of my family who still lives back home. And there's definitely guilt associated with that. I see sometimes- Like you're doing better than they are. I'm, I'm doing better. And sometimes, you know, family members will ask me for money. And I know that they're embarrassed to ask, um, but it makes me more than happy to give it to them. But there's guilt associated with that, that I am out here, you know, getting myself an $80 bottle of wine. And meanwhile, one of my- family members um is is struggling to make ends meet so i think there's definitely guilt in regards to that well maybe maybe there'd be guilt if you didn't give the money <laughs> or maybe there should be guilt if you were like sorry and you're sipping on your 80 dollar wine but i mean it's like you are helping where you can you know it does feel like it has the undercurrents of imposter syndrome or like yeah you there's a deserve conversation in there I think that the second piece of this is that, you know, my whole life, I saw my father go to, he worked in an aluminum smelter and I saw him go into work and it was literally backbreaking work. He'd come home, he'd be exhausted, he'd be dirty. And he was working really, really hard to make ends meet. And I think sometimes, you know, with my work, like, yes, it's stressful in a different way. I work from home at my computer all the time. I work in tech. And sometimes I just get the sense that I'm accumulating more and more money and I'm actually working less and less hard. <laughs> Don't tell my boss that. But because, <laughs> because you're getting better at your job, I'm becoming more senior. And so things also I think I take for granted, you know, what I know or the skill sets I'm acquiring because they start to feel easier. But I do feel like, yeah, the type of work that my father was doing was such like honest, hard work. You put in a really hard day's work. And you come home and you break your back for your family to provide for them. And yeah, I think that there's a discrepancy there. I feel like here I am on my computer working a tech job, a cushy tech job where, and it's not only just my family, there are people out there who are working multiple jobs to support their family. They're working, you know, 60 hour, 80 hour weeks, breaking their back just to make ends meet. And so there's guilt associated with that. But that's also, I don't know where that comes from. Well, and you work the way you work or you do the hard stuff so your kids don't have to. You want their life to be at least a degree better than yours. But, you know, I would think your parents wouldn't want you to carry that burden. They absolutely would not want me to. But there's also this feeling of, and I don't know if this is even based in reality, but sometimes I wonder if my parents even had the opportunities. Did they have access to the opportunities? My father's father owned a potato farm. I don't know very much about it, but they had 12 kids and they lived on a potato farm. I think they did live in, they had even less money. But then I think about like part of the reason that I have been able, I think, to get where I am today, yes, comes from this hard work ethic that my parents instilled in me. But it also comes from the fact that I had access to student loans Mm-hmm. And I was able to go to university. And I think back on that, like neither of my parents went to university. And I don't even know if they would have had access to the potential to get a student loan and to go there. And so I did 
you know, graduated high school, went to university. I racked up a ton of student debt. But then I was able, I believe, to find a better job because of this degree. Yeah, yeah. And then pay it off. So part of me, I, I definitely have guilt around that as well, where I feel like, yeah, they worked really hard. And when I told them I wanted to go away to university when I was 16, they were, of course, super supportive. I was moving from a small town in 10 hours to Montreal, a big city. Uh, and I definitely was not a city person. You know, I, I hadn't even been on an escalator when I moved away. <laughs> I hadn't seen a homeless person. And so I really didn't have a lot of street smarts or life experience, but they, they really trusted me and wanted that for me. So yeah, I definitely think the guilt is coming from somewhere inside <laughs> uh, and certainly not from them because, you know, my father passed away when I was 21. And at the time I was working... Um, as a cashier and going to university and I would speak to him on the phone and he would say things that honestly still bring tears to my eyes he'd say you know I'm so proud of you you're my hero like you've really put yourself out there and you're doing so much you're amazing and at the time I was a cashier in university like I really hadn't achieved anything and I definitely feel a tinge of sadness that he's not able to see where I'm at now because I know that he'd be beaming with pride but I think And my mom is super proud, yeah. I, I think you have to like you you do so much putting yourself down and like as you're as you're talking about it, it's like your dad was proud and you were like, I hadn't even done anything. You just said you moved ten hours away to a city that you where you didn't know anyone, you showed up, you're working your way through college, you're paying your way. Like I have to imagine just even in the moments that I've talked to you about it, you were a big part of figuring out the financial, how you were going to do it and all of that. So like he saw, that's what he was proud of you for. Like, you know, yes, it's like, we always want them to be able to see, but you gotta, you know, to, you gotta take that in. You're going to make me cry. You really did so much. Don't bat that away. I don't want you to bat away your successes and your, because I think that could be tied to the guilt. It, you know? Yeah. I really appreciate it. I, I definitely think it relates back to the imposter syndrome. It definitely does. It, it's one thing to have empathy, right? But if you are always looking through the eyes of like, oh, but she has it worse than me, you will never be caring towards yourself. There'll never be a space that you're in where you are just caring and kind to yourself. If I was saying the things that you were saying and we and we were talking I think you would be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you saying these mean things to yourself? <laughs> but because you're saying them to yourself, it's okay. Yeah, I feel I like mean, that's not okay, Amanda. <laughs> it, it's funny because it definitely relates, like we're talking about finances, but this relates to things I have discussed in therapy that don't relate to finances, where I do struggle to sometimes make space for myself in my romantic relationships, or I have a tendency to always want to put my partner first, uh, sometimes at the expense of my own boundaries, at the expense of my own sanity. Um, and it is, I think, in part things that it's a learned behavior for my mom, who really was that way her whole life. But it's something that I've had to come to terms with, is that when I live my life modeled after hers, I start to feel resentful toward the people around me that I perceive are feeling too entitled to my time and my space. So part of me has had to grapple with, well, I'm not my mom and you don't have to put everyone before you no matter what. But yeah, somehow I, I think these things are related. They definitely are. 
I, I just want to say one thing. Robin's like, oh, you don't have to like have empathy for like strangers you don't know. But I feel like you only don't have to have that because you already have that. You know, yes. like some people in the world don't have enough empathy and they do need to think like, look, I'm making $200,000 and I have no children, no debt, no nothing. And then I can look beside me and my neighbor makes $12,000 and has four kids and is taking care of their parents. Like, that is true. Some people are not paying attention to it, but like you already are paying attention to it. So like you don't need to put more of that on you. And I feel like that's the same with like, you know, being like a kind person or whatever, like modeling after your mother. It's like you at your worst self is still better than 90% of the people that we know, probably. Well, this is except me. That's you at your least me. giving, you know, like you at your least giving point, like you being selfish is like, you know, that regular Joe trying their hardest to like care about anyone. <laughs> As a person who works at a, a soup kitchen, that's you being <laughs> selfish. Yeah. I, I also think like, I think it's difficult to be to be raised where someone is, even if they're a wonderful, awesome person, but has like martyr martyr type characteristics, because there is no room for what would I want right now? Or what would be soothing to me? Or what would be, what's a thing that I could buy for myself that would make me feel super nice right now? How do you spend money? Do you spend money? Do you um, allow yourself to to buy splurgy things? We know you get good wine and I love that for you. And I, I applaud that decision. Thank but like, you. Do, you, do you take yourself on vacations? Would you ever do a spa day? You know, do you spend money on things that are just nice for you ever? Definitely. I definitely okay. do. Yay. Yes. I would say I spent a lot of money on taking myself and my partner out for nice meals. Yeah. Spa day for sure. Because this has kind of been my personal journey. And I, I don't think it's something that a lot of people must struggle with. And although I'm sure there are others, but I do, I am on a journey to be a little bit more selfish in my life and do things for myself and make time for myself and spend money on myself. And most recently, I moved into uh, an apartment with my current partner, and I really splurged on new furniture. And that was for me. It was also for him to make a nice yeah. space, but it was definitely, like, it made me feel good. It was definitely a form of self-care. So really, then, the, the only struggle for you around money is just the guilt of having it. I just hate that for you. When you spend, like, let's say you're spending the money on furniture, are you able to delineate when something is for you or when it's not? Like, I'll be like, oh, I'm I'm buying Amanda flowers because it's going to make me feel good to see Amanda get flowers. But it's like, well, am I buying them for Amanda or am I buying them for myself? Well, that's like um, Phoebe on Friends said that there's no selfless acts because you're always doing it ultimately to make yourself feel better. I, I definitely... Which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, but I definitely get off on being generous. But then I also feel gross about it. But, like, if you went for dinner with Jesse or something, would you be like, okay, like, this is for me. Like, I want to go to this nice restaurant, so I'm going to pay for this, like, for Jesse? Or would you feel, like, guilty about that and not do it? In that case, I think it would be a bit of both. Let's say I was picking up the bill. I'd feel like I really want this for myself. Um but then I'd also feel like, and now I get to share it with someone I love. So it's kind of a win-win. I don't think there'd be a lot of negative emotions there. But I have been in past relationships where the person made like significantly less than me. 
And I would want to pick up the bill because I wanted those experiences for myself. And the person would then, they would guilt me about it. They would say, we can't go to that spot anymore because you always pick up the bill. And that makes me look like a chump. Meanwhile, it was my favorite restaurant. It actively made me happy to pick up the bill because it meant that I could share what I had. And it also meant that I could eat at my favorite restaurant. Yeah. But so now I'm thinking maybe that plays into a bit of the guilt as well. <laughs> well, and I'm also wondering, do you ever have moments where you feel like I have to be the one to pick up the bill? Because I'm looking around and everybody makes a little less than me. So I better, I better handle this, especially with family. Oh, yeah. And family, yes, definitely. And does that feel good to you or does it feel like, oh, crap? It feels good to me because, especially with my family, because, you know, in their own way, they've spoiled me. My mom, you know, did everything she could to to spoil me. So it does feel good, but it comes with guilt. Like I'm thinking this past uh, summer, I went on vacation with my brother and his family and we went grocery shopping for the weekend. And I was like, this is my treat. And I was telling my niece, like, get whatever you want. You know, Amanda's paying for it. and. Then my brother saw how much it cost and I don't, I felt embarrassed. It didn't feel only good. It felt a mix of guilt. Like you're coming into town, swinging your big credit card around and being like, exactly. I can pay for this. It's almost like you need to do reverse budgeting. I mean, it's like, you've already paid off your student loans. You already are in a place where you have your money. You're comfortable. You have what you need. You're rising up the ranks in your job. And you're so more money's likely to come. I'm I'm assuming you're doing smart things with your money based on the things you've been saying. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Or semi-smart things. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I could always be saving more if I wasn't getting $80 bottles. Everyone could always be saving more, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're doing good things, but I almost feel like you need to set aside a percentage of money that you want to in some way give back to your family because I don't think there's a world where that will ever not be in your DNA. It's just part of who you are based on the way you were raised. And I think it's a wonderful trait. Why move out of that? So set up something that you can do that's like giving back in a way that would make them happy, would make you happy, you know, like those who need it. And then a percentage of money that's fuck you money for Amanda, that you can do anything you want to with it. And the only thing you have to do is not be mean about it to yourself in any way. Yeah, I honestly really like that. I think that that would be an interesting experiment. I wonder if that would be um, an effective device for me, where if I have a bank account that's literally spend this, it's your money, and I'm still contributing to a fund. And I can think of a million things I'd like to do with that. I'd like to be able to fly my family out to Montreal because they don't get up here to visit very much. That'd be wonderful. And then it's like you're giving them an experience. You're giving them time with you. Nobody has to feel guilty or bad about it. And I feel like if you're doing it and and you're not telling them and you're just setting it aside, that might let you off of the guilt thing. When you say that you have bad feelings related to money or when you feel guilty about it, like how has that shown up in your life? I think definitely the anecdote I told about my mom saying, wow, you're making more than your dad made raising three kids. All I remember was like this feeling of doom that I had and guilt. Um There's part of me that's almost afraid to become a mom because I feel that I will not be able to live up to this high bar that my mama has set in regards to motherhood. And I've said this to mothers before and they've said, 
you'll see when you have a kid, you know, you make everything happen for them. It comes naturally and you don't have to worry about that. You seem like a great person. Like I've heard it, but I really, I just think my mom, I'm obsessed with my mom. I think she was just such a wonderful mom and thinking about her makes me teary eyed. I just think that she's a great person, but it makes me afraid to have my own kids because I feel like I can't live up to her motherhood, (laughs) her motherness. I mean, listen, when you have kids, which I think you probably will, it sounds like, you're going to screw up six six million different ways. So it's like that's going to happen and you'll have to just get right with that. Um, but it does seem like there's some some work to be done to un- untangling that because it's like, I don't know, she sounds like such a wonderful and delightful mom. And I just know as a parent, she wouldn't want you to feel this way. She would not want you to stop yourself in any way, whether it be bringing joy to yourself or bringing joy to other people through money or raising kids or anything because you couldn't live up to what she did. Like, that's just not why you do it. You should have a conversation with her. Have you ever thought of talking to her about this? I would want you to tell me this. Yeah, I know. But I I also worry about hurting her. (laughs) Because I really don't think that there's anything she's done to make me feel this way. I don't know where it comes from. I'm really trying to picture what that conversation would look like. I think, you know, knowing my mom, the outcome would be that she'd put me at ease and she'd comfort me, you know, as moms do. That sounds like a nice thing. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels extremely uncomfortable because it's, I guess, one thing. And maybe, maybe in my family, like we just didn't really talk about money. So it feels a little taboo to bring up. But I feel like there could be a release if you did. You know, if you just had this conversation and there might be some bumps in it. And for for our listeners, I do have to say, I, I'm not advocating like based on the words that I'm saying that you go out and have tough conversations. I think you go to the people that that know you in your life that are your advisors and you ask them if you think that's a smart next step. So it's like if you do have a therapist, Amanda, you ask them, is that a smart next step? And maybe you role play how that conversation happens or facilitate how that conversation happens. But it just sounds like you're all such wonderful people. Like, it'll be okay for you to just sit down and just say, you know, this conversation came up. I wasn't looking for it. And I just had all these weird feelings. And I just wanted to, like, let's have an $80 bottle of wine that you'll tell your mom and only cost 12 And let's just talk about it. Yeah. And just, you know, like maybe you fly her up to Montreal to see you and you have like a girl's weekend and you and you just talk. Like, wouldn't that be wonderful? I it sounds so incredible. No, I'm not invited. I'm sorry. I just invited myself. (laughs) We'd have such a great time. You're both welcome. We would. (laughs) But maybe I'll come on the last night. We'll we'll probably (laughs) be be like the celebration party after everything's have been worked out. (laughs) Then I show up. No, but I mean, something like that would be wonderful for you, too. Yeah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Can you tell the washing machine story? Yeah, this is just an example of how my mom would literally give you the shirt off of her back. But essentially, so my brother, I have, my eldest brother has started a beautiful little family. He has two gorgeous daughters who are seven and 11 years old, and he has a beautiful wife, and they have two cars, and uh, they purchased their first home, or I think they rented a home. Um, but it was their first home that was really theirs with their kids and their garage. And when they moved in, you know, they didn't really have the money to be able to fully furnish it or deck it out. And my mom insisted on giving my brother all of her appliances. So her fridge, her stove, her washing machine, her dryer, and the couch, her beloved couch that she had saved up to buy it, but she gave it everything to my brother and I wasn't aware of this until I came home for the holidays and walked into my childhood home and it was a deserted wasteland there was nothing in the kitchen no you know she had a mini fridge that the neighbor had seen her moving out the furniture and the appliances and asked are you moving and she explained no I'm just giving you know my son the appliances and he said oh I think I have a, a mini fridge if you'd like it gives it to her. She literally only had a mini fridge, no oven. She'd do her washing, her laundry rather, at her boyfriend's house. And to me, yeah, it really is the perfect example of how my mom will literally give you, you know, in this case, it's not the shirt off her back, but it's the appliances in her kitchen and, and in her laundry room. And it makes her happy. There was no part of her that, you know, would have would have wanted like there's no part of her she probably didn't have to think much about it and she did it and i remember i was a little irritated at my brother for accepting it because i said i think it was the shock i, did, I didn't of... want to say it i didn't want to say it but i was thinking the same thing <laughs> it was the I mean, shock i'm sure your brother's walking... delightful but I, but i was like come on man yeah like, like, we'll take all her appliances can we get this on layaway and she'll do things like this where i'm like mom i would have contributed but she'll do it and she doesn't make a, a big deal about it because it's what makes her happy. But yeah, I definitely, there was part of me that was irritated at my brother for doing that because, you know, I, I looked at my mom and it made me feel sad for her, but I don't think she ever felt sad. It made her, I think it was a reminder of like, my son is, has this beautiful family and they're happy and it's his time now, even though I don't really feel like she had her time. I, I was just going <laughs> to say that. And I was going to say when you have your talk with your mom and I'm now saying when, not if. But when you have your talk with your mom, I feel like there's a portion of the conversation that's like, mom, but are you taking care of yourself? Like you raised us, we're grown. Like you said, it. she thinks it's not her time, but when was her time? And I feel like that'd be a really interesting conversation over a long weekend in Montreal to have over a nice Let's wine. Let's get her on like, the show. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. The thing is like, 
So I, I, I've had versions of that conversation with my mom where it's like, mom, you did an amazing job raising us. You gave us everything. Live for yourself now. But I know yeah. like she said this, you know, at the time, and I'm sure she would say it if she was on this podcast. I have everything I need. I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, I have three healthy kids and she has a new boyfriend now. I guess he's not new anymore, but she has a boyfriend and she has a cat and her sewing machine. And I really believe that she is fulfilled and happy. And that may be who she, your mom is, but that doesn't mean that's who you are. And I think that you have to separate out from your mom and you don't have to be exactly like her. Like, I don't want a world where Amanda doesn't have appliances. Maybe your mom is the exceptional like human being who is joy joyful and filled. And there are many people that can be like that. But like, I don't know, it feels like maybe you want to have some things and, you know, and you just have guilt because she doesn't, but you're different people and it's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. What is interesting is when I asked you to tell that story, the version I remember in my head has none of those details. The only details it has are you offering to buy a washing machine or an appliance or something for your mom and your mom not taking it and you feeling bad about it. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I feel like the only way you'd get one in your mom's house is if it just showed up, the appliance of repairman, like you made an appointment because she would say no, because she would think she's she would putting you out. Say no. She would definitely say no. Yeah. But you're going to, at some point, you're going to have to release that and you're going to have to let her do her in her own way. You know, she's a grown ass woman and she's decided what's joy for herself, but you don't have to let that define who you are. There just needs to be a little separation, I think. One thing that even just this conversation has made me realize is that this is something that I should try to explore in therapy because, you know, I'm able to recognize that most likely 95% of this is not based in reality. It's me projecting feelings that I assume my family are having onto me, like negative feelings. And I don't know where that comes from, but I do think what I know for sure is that it's a waste of my energy, probably. I I would say yes. Yeah. I think it's my takeaway is like, try to get to the bottom of it so that I can start being kinder to myself. Because as much as, you know, I, I do think I'm hard on myself. I do have, you know, moments of clarity where I feel very proud uh, for everything that I've worked for. I think of myself as a hard worker. I feel very grateful that the things I do have are a result of my hard work. And, you know, my loving support circle and not anything being handed to me. What would be your perfect and ideal relationship to money? Like, what do you want to grow into? That's a really hard question. I think ideally, because I do have some tactics in place for, for saving, you know, I have multiple accounts and I set money aside for X sorts of things. Um, but Anytime, I don't know, it's such a hard question because when I've spoken to financial advisors and they're like, what's your savings goal? I never really know what the answer to that is. But I guess like it would probably look like what I'm doing now, setting money aside, but being more um, purposeful about what I'm setting it aside for and what those different categories are. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if I you're not able to do that or aren't doing it because you have all the guilt around having the money in the first place. Yeah. Maybe. Because it, it would be <laughs> helpful for you to know where you're going with your money. Like, 
This much is going into my retirement. This much is, uh, I want to take two vacations this year. Um, this part is to fly my mom out. This is Christmas gifts for the family. Like I have this weird account I call my slush fund. I have like four accounts that I'm always moving money around. And I have a, not surprising at all, I have a, a notes, a financial notes doc that's associated with that account. And in my slush fund, I earmark things. And so there's like maybe whatever amount of money is in there. Let's just say there's $10,000 in there. There's not, but let's just say that. So like when I get my taxes back, I put a thousand aside for our life insurance. I put a thousand aside for a year end and holiday tips and Christmas. And then I, if any, when any extra money comes in, I move it into that account and then I'll go, all right, um, 500 of that goes toward my um, retirement money this year. 500 goes toward a future vacation. So I have it all earmarked. And then when I go on that vacation, I take the money out, put it right to the credit card. So it's like there would be, I think it might be a smart move for you to start to do that and get out of the emotions of money and get into the actual practical things with money. I mean, this is really resonating with me. I guess my question is, how did you learn? Because you have a system. You have a- I just made it up. I just like over time, I just kind of started doing different things. And then I just added to it as I went. So like, I just was like, okay, this is what I do if I got into debt. And this is my system for not being in debt. Like everything goes on one card each month and we pay it off. And then I save into the future of the year. And I think about, I map the year forward. Like I have to save for kids summer camps. I have to save for, you know, I don't have a traditional job now. I'm self-employed. So I have to save for some retirement money. That's not going to just happen. So I have to, I have to think about what my goals are each year and then like long-term goals too. So that you, I think you've just described <laughs> a much more ideal scenario. I think I wasn't able to describe it because I can't even conceptualize it. The way that I manage my money right now is I have a checking account. I have what I call like a liquid savings account. And then I have mm-hmm. like TFSA savings, tax-free savings account that I just don't touch. And those are like long-term savings, but I don't know what I'm saving for. And then I have my retirement fund that I'm contributing to. Like that's, I think it's meant to be far out that you, like it's okay to not have any specific goals for the time being attached to it. But yeah, I don't have anything beyond that, beyond there's the savings account I don't touch. There's the savings account I can touch. What's funny is I consider myself to be a very organized person, but that almost seems, yeah, it seems like I'm far away from being able to get that granular. It sounds to me like you have the beginning of that. You have the beginning of that already. And by the way, I can say, number one, why you never thought of it, you were never taught finances. Absolutely. Like 99% of the people that I talked to, their parents didn't teach them finances. They just, you know, they saw what their parents did with money and they have the feelings around what their family did with money, but the conversations never happen. So that's number one. Number two, you already have the beginnings. You have a savings account that you don't touch and you have one that you can touch and then you have like your checking. So like I have all that. I just, because I'm older than you and because I've saved longer, I took some money out of the savings that I don't touch and put that into high yield. Cause I was like, I'm sick of not getting any money off of this. Then I took some money and I went to a financial advisor and said, now I want you to put that in something that, and I was like, I don't want to touch it, but I want to be able to touch it. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, here's some IRA money. I don't want to be able to touch it. So like it all ties back to your goals. And like I said, the thing that keeps being so clear for me is that 
How could you possibly be thinking about your goals when you're holding something in your hand that feels tainted? Yeah. Yeah, I think like I'm realizing that the order of operations is for me to do a little bit of soul searching and some work on. You're so tech that you said order order of operations. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. You're you're like, my KPIs are, I love it. I'm mortified. There's my toxic trait. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Your order of operations. Go go for it. Is for me to um, explore, do some work on where are these negative feelings coming from? Because I do feel like before I can move forward with being more deliberate about all of this, I need to, I need to understand where it's coming from. I think it's coming from somewhere inside of me, but I don't know what's triggering it. So I think that that's number one. And then number two would probably be to set some goals because I've always shied away from answering that question. And then number three is to get systematic about it. I say to everyone, I think the biggest mistake people make is they start budgeting without first taking a look at what their relationship to money is. You can't do anything different if you aren't addressing what's happening. And it's like, you can see what's clear for you is what's happening. And then you can make changes. And and the good news is to me is your changes are tweaks. And I really do want to make sure you build in money that's just for you. And I think, I think, You'd be one person, I would say, a line item of philanthropy in some way, whether it's back to your family or something else, because I think that will help you personally with this guilt you have about making money. But like, you know, talk to a financial advisor about that. But first, I think you're absolutely right. You've got to figure out, you got to unravel that connection a little bit, whatever that is. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's definitely given me a lot to think about. We're going to make a mental note that we want to hear back from you later about where this landed. And I also want to say, before I say my, my huge thanks, the mom in me is going to say this again. Don't you dare beat yourself up. I'm proud of you. I know your mom is proud <laughs> of you. Your dad is watching somewhere and he's proud of you. And be proud of what you've done. Oh, thank you. I'm very touched. I'm so thankful that you that you decided to share this with us. I just, this is like, this is a wonderful conversation. And I don't think it can ever be said too many times that connection to money is, is messy and we don't talk about it enough. What I want to know is if there's anyone who has a positive relationship to money or do we all just feel bad about it? I mean, I think a lot of people have shit around money, like a lot. Because sometimes it was used, parents use it as like leverage over their kids. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of different ways that I think it can go sideways. And also, like I said, kids are, I think sometimes we think, well, if they can't hear me say this thing, the kids don't know what's going on. And that's just dead wrong because they can pick up on, kids are very emotionally intuitive and can pick up whatever energies in the house. But I think you have a double whammy. There's a, there's a phenomenon that happens with kids is that you either emulate your parents because you think if I, if I'm just like them, they'll love me or you act in opposition to them. And, and it's a tough position to be emulating a person who in your eyes was so perfect. There's no room for you to make a mistake or be different. And I just, I mean, it's just, I have such a different perspective now as a mom. I just can't imagine a world where a woman who sounds as nice as your mom would ever want you to be in that level of uh, pain, which is why I I want you guys to talk. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's making me emotional. I know she wouldn't want it. Yeah. 
Until you do talk, you can just pretend I'm your mom and just keep emailing me. It'll be totally fine. <laughs> no, and I look so forward sweet. to it. <laughs> Thank you. And by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, and by the way, if you're a parent or teaching someone you love about money, model the relationship you want them to learn. Think of it just like a love relationship or self-love. If you model healthy talk and boundaries and thoughtful practices and budgeting around money, well, the folks that you're teaching will learn from that because we often repeat the patterns that were taught to us. And that's about good things and about bad things too. All right, it's that time where we get a little advice from an expert in the field. Stand clear because Elise is about to bring it. Money doesn't make you happier, but it gives you the power to say, I'm going to pay for the washing machine or let's go for dinner. You have the power to invite everybody for dinner because you're paying for it. And it can make other people feel bad. It's all in the way you do it. My mother likes to know in advance who's paying the bill so there's no awkward moments. We like to do, if we're like with friends, we call it a Peter Hogan because one time our friend Peter Hogan, first time we ever saw this done, he went to the bathroom and he, he's like, it's time to go. And we were like, oh, isn't that clever? It removes everybody fighting about it. And it's, it screams. We, my sister and I always say, if you want to pay the bill, you can pay the bill. Like if it's something you want to do. So certain people, we just say, thank you. But certain people, it's hard for other people to let them do that. They might prefer to see you cook them dinner. It might cost the same, but it doesn't. No money's being exchanged. So it's a little more invisible. Or I also lie to people sometimes. I got a gift certificate from my boss. He said, take us all out for dinner. And everyone's like, oh, the company's paying? <gasps> they feel much better about that, even if I'm paying. I will say my mother's a retired teacher. She goes, I have enough money. And I'm like, who says that? She goes, I do everything I want. What don't I do that I want? And I tell this to people and they're in absolute awe because she's content. And I know people with tons of money who are not content. And it's a really a wonderful quality to feel that way. See, this is why we love Elise and why I am thrilled that despite her thinking she was not an expert, she signed on to become expert of the day on this little podcast. Okay, folks, that's it for today. It's my Mr. Rogers moment. But before we go, I do want to say so many thanks to Amanda. I mean, just opening up and talking about all her money stuff with us. Thank you. For more Robin, and you may need that. You probably don't need it. But like, if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original. Exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole Edit Audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.